Guys, well done. Well done. Anyone who does 115, they will tell you at the beginning, this is hard work. And at the end, they're like, I'm so glad I did that. Well done, guys. And you know, when we, when we started uh, talking about our holiness theme next year, I want to just pray this morning that God will do something in every one of our lives as we share the word to take us an inch closer to the holiness that we know God has for us. How many of you in this place know that by the blood of Jesus we've been made holy? How many of you, however, feel holy in your daily life? I just heard laughter. <laughs> so, Dad, as we dive into the word this morning, I ask that you would open our eyes to see not just what you created us to be, but how you have given us the tools, the principles, the power, the presence to become just like you. And I want to pray, my Lord, you know where every person is this morning. You know how they grew up. You know their struggles. You know their pain. But today I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, in a new way. And that you would fill us again, that you would refresh us, that you'd encourage us, and we would leave this place more encouraged and more like you than what we came in. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So welcome everyone to church. The disciples gathered on the first day of every week to have community, to have worship, to have fellowship, and to hear the teaching of the word. And that is one of the ways God changes us to be more like him. And so we've been doing this series called Live Connected. How many of you have enjoyed Live Connected? Okay, so for those two people, <laughs> Carol did an amazing job starting off talking about how we live connected to our destiny through God's Word. And then if you've missed the other one, God did an amazing job through Carol in talking about how to live connected to God through prayer. Yes? And if you missed either of those, they're on our YouTube channel and they're amazing. Today, I want to carry on with Live Connected and I want to talk about how to live connected to your true self. What does that imply? It implies there's another one, right? There's another self. Okay, don't leave the room. God is going to do something. But connected to your true self, all of our sermons on this have been connected to something through something so connected to your true self through what i'm so glad you asked because in the next six hours i'm going to answer that question for you in the best way holy spirit could possibly do it i want to tell you a little bit about myself maybe some things that that some of you have heard before some things maybe you didn't know about me i, I was born at an early age and uh some of you could probably relate and uh, I, I was born into a Christian family. I was raised in a Christian family. We read the Bible. We went to church. But I was not born again. How many of you know Christianity and the way God works with us is internal to external, not external to internal? So I was raised probably like some of you, where Christianity was a whole set of things that you had to apply externally to fix yourself. Can any of you relate? That's what the scabs and parasites were doing at the time of Jesus. Sorry for new people. The scribes and Pharisees. The scribes and Pharisees were people that Jesus was never happy with because they were just taking the relationship God wanted to have with his people, putting it in as a set of legalistic rules and say, do this or else. That is no fun. 
Do you believe that the creator of the universe is the most fun being in the universe? I mean, do you enjoy having fun? Because if you didn't, it's not fun. You need to change your definition of fun. If you don't enjoy having fun, you've got the wrong definition of fun. Who invented fun? God. He made us enjoy. God is the most fun God you could ever wish to meet. If you know a serious God, you know the wrong God. If you know a God that is always angry, you know the wrong God. And I knew the wrong God. I was raised to think that God was this disciplinarian and I was never meeting up to the standard. And so I did what most teenagers do. You know what happens when you're a teenager? Most of them left the room. They didn't want to hear this. Youth. You know what happens when you're a teenager? You start to get hormones that you've never experienced before. Things flow in through your body to tell you that you are now independent and you know everything. But the prefrontal cortex in your brain is not formed. The part of the brain that tells you consequences of actions. That only fully forms after 25. Have you ever wondered why insurance goes down when you reach 25? Prefrontal cortex form, check, drop, discount. So teenagers, man, I, I rebelled, and I rebelled well. I've always done things rather well, um, and uh, I, I rebelled exceptionally well. And so I, man, I would go out, I would get as drunk as I could whenever I could. I would, I would go and smoke anything I could lay my hands on, and s some of it was really poisonous. I, I, just, I just did everything I could do. I became criminal. I would have a little bottle of vodka in my blazer when I went to school. And, and me and two friends, we were like three who just continued to lead each other downhill. And me and my partners in crime, eventually it kind of caught up with us. And I got a phone call one day, uh, and uh, it went something like this. We're at the police station, they've arrested us, and they've just left, and they're on the way to arrest you. <laughs> I had 15 minutes. I knew that's exactly how long it took. So I thought I could do one of a few things. I could kill myself. That was the first thought that came. I could run away from home because I was terrified of my father. And what I ended up doing was deciding, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my sister. And I'm going to say to her, she may not say anything, so that when the police arrive, I'm just going to jump in their car and say, go, get me out of here, so that I don't have to face the consequences of the whole family, you know, strict disciplinarian. My father was Eine Deutsche, and he had one of those canes that they used in the prisons when they lashed prisoners. He had a friend. So I told my sister. Her and her fiancé said, you're not running anywhere, you are coming, and they sat me down in the back seat of their car, and they said, you need to get right with God. And I said, okay. What else? What have I got to lose? And as I prayed this prayer and they prayed for me, it was like the atmosphere in that car changed. It was like washing of water came over me. The guilt, the shame, the fear just disintegrated, just disappeared. This incredible peace took over. How many of you remember when Jesus came and filled you with his Holy Spirit and you were born again? It was glorious. And I, I traveled in that police car. And I said, I don't care. Maybe I start a cell group somewhere. I don't care, but I'm going to do it for Jesus. <laughs> After a few weeks in police custody, the police wrote to the judge and said, we have no idea. This guy is the most Christian, innocent. He tells us the truth when the others lie. 
we don't believe he's a criminal, we believe that he's just been badly influenced, and I didn't even have to go to court. And from the day I got born again, that self over there died, and I lived like that for the rest of my days. I never sinned again. I was never tempted again. I never swore again. Amen? And that's the glorious message. Let's pray. Some of you are questioning whether you really got born again. It's like, wait a second. My, my born again experience. Well, you see, I, 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 I had memorized a lot of scripture before I got born again. And, and I knew this one. Not that one. This one. Any of you know this one? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old self has passed away. Behold, he's been made new. So I knew that scripture, and so I determined that I obviously wasn't fully in Christ. I wasn't properly born again. And for years afterwards, I went up for every altar call. Yep, still not a new creature. <laughs> Man, that, that old creature is still there. I, you, how many of you know when you became a Christian, you didn't wake up just like Jesus? Well, you might have woken up like him because he also woke up every morning. And I thought to myself, I'm obviously not truly a Christian. Some of you sitting here today are questioning whether you're really a Christian because of that wrestle between the old self and the new self. And then, when I, after many years of continuous back and forth, hooked up with the guys who came out from the U.S. to start what is now Every Nation, I discovered a thing called discipleship. And I discovered that you don't just get changed overnight. It is a lifelong process. You are justified the moment you're born again. Justified before God. That means just as if I'd never sinned. Say that with me. Just as if I'd never sinned. So I don't come into God's presence like, oh, sorry, God. He sees me in my new nature. Come here, you wonderful, strong spirit man. He sees you as he created you to be. But we still have this little ongoing wrestling match with that old self. And there's a scripture that I've been meditating on for so long. And I was even chatting to Pastor Sammy over there. And he sent me this word that he had for me confirming all of this. But this is my key scripture for today. And if you can catch this, friends, it might just change your life forever because it changed mine. So Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn there? If you don't have your Bible with you, take your neighbors, have your phone, whatever it is. Ephesians chapter 4, and even after we've read it, I want you to stay there. But this is going to be my key scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is busy writing to the Ephesian Christians. Say Christians. Okay. So he's writing to the Ephesian Christians and he says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Now, most of the time when the Bible says Gentiles, it is talking about non-Jews. right? That's actually what that root word means non-jews but right now in the church of ephesus it is full of all forms of gentiles who've gotten born again so we know paul's not saying gentiles who are not jews paul is saying the way the heathen unsaved gentiles think and act 
So he's talking about those who are of the old Gentile way of thinking versus those of you who are in the kingdom. Can any of you relate to this? Maybe you can't relate first, but how about this one? They are like this because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Man, this was me. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of... They are full of... Oh, any of you met someone like this? How many of you were a little bit like this before you got saved? Oh, come on now. Come on. Next time you judge someone, I remember, oh, but for the grace of God, I'd be worse. I often say to Carol, man, if Jesus didn't get hold of me, you'd be visiting me in prison. I said that to Tarbo. We took a little prayer retreat the last couple of days. I said, bro, you'd be visiting me in prison. He said, I would have got there before you, bro. So I said, okay, well, the two of us, we'd, we'd be, because <laughs> he's a part of the Kairos prison ministry. I said, well, then Kairos be visiting us both. But now listen to what Paul says to them. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught. Can you see that what Paul is saying to them? Guys, you are now Christian. You are born again. You have a new nature. Adam and Eve fell, they lost the spirit nature of God. When you get born again, spirit nature of God comes back. I have the spirit nature of God. All things are made new again. I have that new nature. And Paul says, however, you have to learn. You have to be taught. You have to change the way you think. What is it? Well, here's the secret. And if you, can, if you take in notes, man, write this down. Because here is something that we need to live by day by day. What were you taught? Put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the... Wow. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So before we get to our week of prayer and consecration, and we start next year's theme of holiness, I can tell you now that that video that's been played across the world in every one of our churches, when the word holiness is mentioned, some people crawl under their seat. We have a misunderstanding. Holiness doesn't mean you never sin. Holiness is the Holy Spirit in me doing this. Your old self is corrupted by what? Deceitful desires. You got there. You were like, oh, where's it again? I oh, got it. What does deceitful mean? Now, just think about it. I'm not, I'm not looking for answers to be shouted out. Uh, but deceitful means you don't know it's wrong. Man, I thought I was the coolest Christian you could imagine. Then I got married. I was amazing till I got married. And then suddenly your wife says, hang on a sec, that's not normal. My family lived like this. This is how I was raised. That's just not normal. In fact, that's destructive. That's harmful. 
And I started to realize, I've got to work on some stuff because I love my wife. I want this marriage to work. Now, because I love Jesus, I want His Holy Spirit to work on me as well because I want to look like Him, live like Him, and think like Him. How many of you want that? So the early church was having the same battle you're having, and Paul was telling them, you need to be taught. You need to learn. People who just get born again and then go off and do their own thing without gathering with the rest of the saints, without opening their lives up to others to speak into them, without being in a place where they can be taught the word and taught the principles, they are not going to grow into the image of Christ in the way God wants them to. Those of you watching online, praise God, but we'd love you here too. Because unless you're part of community, that's what saved me. People who are saying, that's a blind spot. How many married men and women here? Marriage was a little tough because people saw blind spots. Like maybe your wife or husband saw blind spots you didn't see. Okay, so those three marriages, praise God for the rest. So how do we get rid of the old self and put on the new? Can you see how simple Paul puts it? Just take that sucker off. That guy's just taking his jacket off, man. Whew, there we go. Let it go. Well, it tells us the way you do it is to be made new in the attitude of your minds. The only way you can be transformed from your old self to your new self, it's reinforced throughout Scripture. Romans 12. Don't go Roman over there. It's on the screen. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. How many of you were raised in this world? Gosh, if you weren't, I want to meet you afterwards. They've been seeking for those for a long time. You were raised in this world. You were raised by parents who had worldly thinking. Some of you, if you didn't have parents, I can tell you now that every one of us was raised in a broken world by broken people. Why are things going wrong in this world? Because people are broken and people don't think like God. And the way the world thinks is of the enemy. Jesus called him the prince of this world. The father of lies. So what the world does is it programs you with lies and ways of thinking. So that when you get born again, you are a new creature. You are a new man, a new woman in Christ. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. But you are not yet transformed into thinking from that nature. So you have to be transformed. Now, I think it would have been easier, I've asked God this, that I would be transformed by the removal of my mind. Because it gives me a hard time sometimes. But we transform by the renewing of our mind. And it doesn't happen overnight. And once our mind is renewed, we can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Which means we don't really know what God wants of me fully until my nature and my mind are working, my new nature and my mind are working together to think like Jesus. And that is a lifelong process. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of neuroscience today. If you, so how many of you have done our school of healing the human soul, soul healing? Yeah, quite a few. So... This is something we teach in Soul Healing. I want you to just catch the headlines, okay? Because when you look at people, we judge them. Oh, don't look at me like that. You meet a person for the first time, your mind is going through a thousand ways of judging and labeling them. 
It happens in such a split second that before you know it, you've created a picture of who that person is. You've figured it all out. We judge them by what? Their behavior, their actions, their looks, the first things they say, the externals. Do you know that when you study the brain and a lot of what we do in our soul healing, but Jim Lafoon's School of Healing the Human Soul, working with neuroscientists, working with psychologists, but do you know that only 5% of who you are is what people see, the external? Only 5% is the tip of the iceberg. And so I've got a picture of an iceberg there. It's got some words over it, but can you see how little of the iceberg actually sticks up? Anyone remember the Titanic? So what drives behavior? Now I'm going to run through this very quickly. I want you to catch this. Your early environment is something that teaches you without saying words. It's your culture. It's how your family, your tribe, your environment, the way you grew up, it's how that environment works. That's your early environment. It tells you who we are and how we behave. It tells you, you don't even have to be told dogs aren't allowed inside the house because you just grew up. No dogs allowed inside the house. You hear what I'm saying? There are worse things than that, but I'm giving you nice examples. You are taught what the role of a woman is, a wife, a mother. You are taught what the role of a father is without them having to tell you. So when you come into a place and a woman behaves differently, you go, what's wrong with that woman? Mm. Then our early education, okay, what's wrong with that man as well? I mean, pfft. it's usually men. Early education is not where you went to school. It's the things you were first taught about certain subjects. Things you were taught the first time in church on certain subjects. The role of a woman in church. The role of a man in church. How we should pray. The things you were first taught. That we're going to go through this huge tribulation, then Jesus is going to zap us out in a big rapture. How many of you know that that's not actually what the Bible teaches, but you're going to be mad at me for saying it, because that's what you were first taught. Friends, we need our minds renewed from things we were taught that we believe so deeply that we will defend with our lives instead of saying, Holy Spirit, teach me truth. And the third is what I, because it has to be ease, it's usually called adverse childhood experiences, but I'm calling them embedding experiences because you've all had thousands upon thousands upon millions of experiences, but not all of them impacted you. So these are usually traumatic events. Growing up abused, having harm done to you, verbal abuse, whatever it might be. And these impactful things develop a belief system. What is my belief system? It's what I consider to be true. It doesn't have to be true. So you are sitting here today considering a whole bunch of things that you believe are true and you so believe them that you are right that you'll fight tooth and nail for that. We have to change the way we think to say, what if my belief system is not true? That also forms a value system. Your value system is what you consider to be important. Now, values and beliefs, they become so deeply entrenched that you spend most of your life reinforcing these deeply entrenched neural pathways that they're not just neural pathways anymore, they're neural highways. Some of you bought yourselves a city and you've got that neural city going on in there. So when we study the brain, you have all of these, and what these do is they then speak into who you are.
Your identity is based on all of that stuff up there. And identity is such a big thing. It's my sense of self. It's my sense of uh, others. It's my sense of how I fit into my community in different environments. I'm not going to go into identity too much. But out of all of that, every time I'm in a situation, I make a decision. How many of you made a few decisions in your lives? So if I, if I am with someone and they stand at an elevator and this person has come from a rural place and I'm taking them out for a meal, the elevator doors open and I step in and he just goes white. And he wasn't a white man. I said, I can't go in there. I'm like, why? He didn't know why. So we prayed afterwards, Jesus, what's going on here? He believed if he stepped in there, he would be absolutely terrified. There was fear. There was something bad's going to happen. Holy Spirit brought up a memory of his mom punishing him whenever he was naughty by locking him in the cupboard and closing the doors and leaving him in darkness for hours. He didn't remember that. But immediately an emotion came up that made a decision based on all of that past. He didn't even know why. Do you know that you make decisions emotionally before you make them logically? Men go, we're logical, women are emotional. Now you're all emotional. The way the brain sends a message is through emotion. Next time you feel an emotion, next time, how many of you have felt anxiety, especially in silly season November? I'm, I'm not even asking hands anymore, just big toes. Some of you are getting tired of this. Yeah, just stop asking us. You know, anxiety is a lie. Fear is a lie. But it's a real emotion. You don't say to fear and anxiety, I'll not listen to you. Get away. I push you away. I resist that emotion, which is what most people were taught to do. No, the Bible says you take captive every thought. You bring it under the obedience of Christ. Come here, you sucker. Okay, so I'm anxious. I'm terrified. What is this saying to me? You're a messenger. No good king shoots the messenger. Oh, it's because I feel like I'm going to fail and I'm not going to get that project finished. Yeah, and then I'm going to lose my job. Okay, so I'm starting to put words. Why is that saying this to me? Now I take that thing and I say, Jesus, what do you say about that? So what am I doing? I'm taking off the old way of thinking and I'm putting on the new. It's a daily, minute by minute, decision by decision process. Decisions determine your destiny. Your past doesn't determine your destiny. The decisions you make from this day onwards determine your destiny. And only after you've made the decision do you see the actions. And if we act it out long enough, it becomes a habit. And if we do that long enough, it becomes an addiction. So when do most people come and seek help? Pastor, I'm addicted. I'm, I'm addicted to chocolate cake. And naked women? Cast that demon out of me. Is it a demon? Just cast it out. Jesus said, I cast a demon out of someone. He goes wandering around, comes back and finds the room swept clean. And the guy's worse off afterwards because he goes and fetches some buddies. The battle between light and dark on a cosmic level has been settled. There's no more battle. But the battle here... I create little rooms and I let them come live there because darkness is lies, Satan's the father of all lies.
The more I bring truth into my mind and allow that truth to replace the lies, I remove the room that the enemy was occupying and speaking in and using. And so the truth of the matter is, people come to you here, but we have to turn this thing upside down and say, here's where we're judging them, in this top 5%. No, we go right back to, Lord, where's my belief system and my value system not like yours? It's a daily process. So, Ephesians 4. Can I just read this to you again, if you've got your Bible open there? No longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, darkened in their understanding, separated because of ignorance, due to hardening of hearts. They've lost all sensitivity. And only then do they give themselves over to sensuality and indulge in all forms of impurity. Did you catch that? So when you see the tip of the iceberg, we give these five R's. Some of you have heard our five R's. How many of you have seen the five R's? Right. How many of you do them every day? <laughs> Man, I work hard on doing this stuff every day, and I don't call them the five R's every day. It's just make it habit. Recognize where am I doing these things that are out of line with what God wants me to do. And sometimes you need someone else to tell you. So the first thing is, if I'm deceived, corrupted by my deceitful desires, I can't even recognize something's wrong. Praise God for my wife. I was a moron before I married her. Not so bad. Okay. Thank you, beauty. Recognize. Don't be like the majority of the fish in Egypt. Oh, come on, they live in denial. <coughs> I thought some of you would have got that. So come out of denial. And you might be so deceived it feels normal to you. Someone has to tell you that's not normal. But we look to Jesus. Jesus, I want to be like you. So when I say something, do something, feel something that's not like Jesus, I go through this. I say, oh, I recognize you. You're not from Jesus. When I have an emotion that comes up that's not from Jesus, I don't rebuke it. I grab that thing, take it captive and say, Jesus, what do you say about this? And then repent, which so many people, we've taught on this so much. Remember the Greek word, say it with me, metanoeo. Metanoeo. Now you know a little Greek. It means to change the way you think. When John the Baptist came and said, repent and be baptized. When Jesus came and said, repent, the kingdom is near. He said, change the way you think. What does repent mean to offer you? I did it again. I'm such a sinner. I'm so sorry. That's not repentance. That's stupid confession. So when I step into dad's presence, the beginning of the prayer Carol took us through last week is not... Our Father who art in heaven, I'm such a terrible person. I don't know how I could even be in your presence. It's, hello. Hello, it'd be your name. Dad, he grabs you. He sees the new creation in you. He sees what he's put in you. He sees what he's growing in you. And so then, I have to repent. Repent literally means in the Old Testament, I walk in this way, I choose to stop. I turn my back on it, I walk in the other direction. 
But the Old Testament was there to show you that you couldn't do it in your own strength. You cannot just stop. Just stop drinking red wine. Stop thinking about red wine. Just stop it. Stop thinking about red wine. No, Holy Spirit, show, I see red wine on all of your heads. Just stop it. Neuroscience will tell you the more you think of stopping something, the more your brain reinforces that neural pathway because you're sending it back to that thought. So Jesus comes and he says, guys, I have got this most amazing juice. It is heaven's nectar. It is the most. You'll never want to drink another thing once you've tasted this. Come have a taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Wow, that is good stuff. And so he gives us ways of thinking that are so much better. They compete with the old ways. And the way neuroscience shows us in the brain is that as you redevelop these new ways, you embrace the repentance, the new way of thinking, it starts forming a new neural pathway. Little sparks. Oh, this is better. This is a better way of thinking. This is nicer. But if you just walk away after that, and don't ever think about it again, the old neural pathway takes over. It can take 21 days or more for this new neural pathway to form strong enough to where the old one starts to literally dissolve the proteins around that highway you built. So that means once I've repented, I need to recognize a few things must happen after that. You can't just say, I repent, I'm sorry, help me to change the way I think, I'm good now. I must recognize, firstly, my old way of thinking gave the devil some authority. So now I've fallen out of agreement with that. So I rebu- every devil, every demon that came with that thing I was thinking and doing, I command you to go. No, you can't operate you anymore. Then I say, now, Lord Jesus, I receive. What do I receive? I receive forgiveness, but I want to receive truth. I want to receive a new way of thinking. I cannot tr- transform my mind. I cannot be the one that shows me truth. Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I will send you the counselor, the spirit of truth truth is not a fact truth is a spirit and he lives inside of you and some facts are not truthful according to holy spirit you might sit there and say that guy's ugly there might be a fact but does holy spirit think that guy's ugly spirit of truth truth is god thinks that guy's amazing next time you judge operate in the spirit of truth and so i received the spirit of truth telling me what else I need to think. But because God created a brain that needs reinforcing of principles over and over, repetition of principles, the word and prayer. Remember the first two. The more I read my Bible, remember all those stats Carol started off with, that pull that you can take? It's called the gospel. Where's Brian? He gave that one to me. You take your gospel every day. Every time you read the word, you get in God's ways of thinking. You pray every day. Every time you pray, you give the counsel of the Spirit of Truth opportunity to speak to you. And you then reinforce it. Don't go and try and find a hundred new things. You work on the big ones first and you reinforce and you reinforce. When I counsel someone, when we do soul healing, when God speaks them a new truth, I make them write it down. Then I leave the room. I say, now you leave yourself a voice recording of what Jesus said to you. What is the new way of thinking? And then I say, for the next three weeks, you are going to just listen to that. Just listen and write down more and more of that until it's all you can think on that matter and that subject. And then we'll move on. That's what it takes. And do you know why so many Christians are still battling, corrupted by their deceitful desires of their old self? Because they don't want to do the hard work of renewing the old mindsets. 
So I don't just need grace to stop doing something. I need grace to change the way I think so that I can do it. So therefore, in closing, therefore, we have a new nature created to be like Christ. But it's allowing him to renew our minds that transforms us to think love and love like Jesus. Won't you stand? And just say this with me. Holy Spirit, you're my counselor. You're the spirit of truth. You get to live in me. I wouldn't want that job sometimes. Yeah, you can say that. Sometimes I'm not a very good temple. But you are the spirit of truth. You're my counselor. You're my comforter. And I'm asking you, help me to change the way I think. I want to think like you so that I can live like you, so I can love like you. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to go to all the dark places, things that I've forgotten, all the old programs running in my brain. I hand them over to you. I'm not going to hold on to them. The places I think I'm right, where I'm not, show me. When someone tells me something they see that I don't like, use that to change me. So I give you my mind. Jesus, you're Lord of my mind. And I declare as David did, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Day by day, minute by minute, decision by decision, remind me, enable me to put off the old to be made new in my mind and put on the new until that's all I know. Lord, I bless this congregation. I bless every person here. I bless every person watching online. We look at ourselves and we want to say thank you for bringing us this far. But we really, Lord, are saying if we want to be the people that you are going to use in the next revival to change this world, then change us first and help us to think like you, live like you, and love like you. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace and his ways of thinking. In Jesus' name. You go and have a God-mind-filled, spirit-thought-filled day and week.